Hello, listeners. This is PSG Talk contributor Mark Damon, and we are back with another episode of the 1970, and we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about Tiago Silva and Edinson Cavani's last days as, a, as PSG players. We're going to talk about the imminent departure of Tangi Koasi, uh, the upcoming Champions League fixtures. We now have dates for them. We don't have opponents, but we have dates. Among other things, and with me today is your um, humble editor of PSGTalk.com. His name is Ed. Ed, how are we doing today? Pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm proud to say that Bayern Munich has not lured me away from PSG Talk, so I am here to stay, unlike some other uh, PSG players, which we'll talk about later, but everything's well, good here. Well, you know, Bayern Chat tried hard. <laughs> that but, is true. You, know, you had loyalty, I think. Yeah, not know. everyone has loyalty these days. No, well, well, what are you going to do? I mean... Well, you know, two players that did have loyalty, I, I guess we could say, and uh, PSG were the ones to let them go. So let's just jump right into that first topic. We have Edinson Cavani, Thiago Silva, uh, Leonardo came out, I think it was, what, last Sunday, he came out and said that these two players will not be offered an extension, that they will be allowed to leave when their contract expires on June 30th. Um, we're recording this on Thursday evening. Um, and I believe I saw a report that said both of those players will agree to some kind of temporary extension so that they can continue to participate in the Champions League and um, two domestic cup finals. But uh, after that, they're they're off somewhere else. They ain't got to go home, but they got to get out of here, basically. So what is your initial reaction to those two players uh, leaving? The, the, the old saying is you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> did I get that wrong? I knew it was something like yeah, that. Yeah, you did. That, that's the, that's the old... <laughs> You know, and it is apropos, I actually think, because that's a that's an old saying that you'd use at you know two a.m. at the bar. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're we're on the we're on the last drink here. This is last call, everybody. Um, they had. Um, I, I think there's a lot of ways you can sort of to start with this, but I'll just I'll sort of start with the big picture. Those two are legendary PSG players. One is the leading scorer in the club's history, and he'll probably stay that way for a while. I don't mm -hmm. see Neymar or Mbappe staying around long enough to hit that uh, to hit that mark. And the the type of forty goal seasons that Edinson Cavani was having, the, that's it's going to be hard to keep that pace. I mean, he had two or three years there where he was one of the best strikers in the world. Did he hit fifty? Did he hit a 50-burger at no, some point? No, he got I, – I mean, he, he was great at Napoli. Let's be okay. clear. He was also great at Napoli, and he got – I think he was upper 30s at Napoli. I mean, if you want to pull the stats up, fine. But yeah. I, those two – I'd say two and a half years at PSG when Zlatan left, I think he was one of the top five strikers on the planet. He was, he was as good a – goal scorer as you could find he had the ability to move without the ball he got himself free he could score with pretty much every part of his body he could score free kicks if he had to specifically that game against marseille on the road he had 104 uh, goals and 138 appearances for napoli so yeah that's almost a goal a game for over 138 games that's pretty good yeah and you, you again add the uh, add all the big goals he scored at Paris Saint Germain. He's he's a 
he's going to be one of those players that I don't think you're going to have him on the list of all-time great strikers. But he had a heck of a career and a heck of a PSG career. And Thiago Silva, I think, has a bit of a more complicated legacy. I think mm-hmm. most people, you know, we, you might get frustrated that Cavani would miss some sitters. And he definitely missed some sitters. But I don't think people necessarily blame him for PSG's Champions League struggles. I think, I think he sort of gets a pass. Well, on, on that. against Barcelona, he did score that goal, you know, the when they blew the 4-0 first league win. He did score that goal at the Camp Nou that kind of made you feel like, okay, we got this. It was a little bit of a scare. So, he, you know, he stepped up in that that match, but ultimately, obviously, we all know what happened there. But, yeah, he doesn't get as much blame as you would think. No, and, and I think somebody like Thiago Silva, I think he bears a lot of the burden of PSG's struggles. And I think a lot of that is obviously because he's the captain of the team. And when you're the captain, when you're the central defender, when you have a lot of that pressure on your shoulders, and this is a guy who I feel has had that pressure and has not always responded well to it. Mm-hmm. I um, I coined the phrase Tiago Silva backpedal for, for that very reason, because I feel like when it's time to be brave in a big game, I think Thiago Silva would be more conservative. I think the team took a lot of its keys from him. And I think because he tended to be more conservative in the way he approached the game as a defensive player, almost to the point of paralysis at times, Mm -hmm. I think the team sometimes took that uh, do no harm philosophy a bit too far. But let's be clear. He was, and maybe is the best central defender in the history of the club. Now, there's club historians that will, you know, have the argument for other people. I think that on talent, if we're just talking purely just skill and talent, right? I think Thiago Silva is the best. And I think of the QSI era, is he responsible for perhaps the greatest moment, that header against Chelsea, Stamford Bridge? Yeah, I, I I think that's a I think if we're if we're looking at moments, I definitely mm-hmm. think that has to be up there. Like you know, that's you know, snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. <laughs> it, it it and I think he he had a passion for the club. I'm not sure he had at the beginning, but he developed it. And he became think, a French he, citizen. Yeah, no, I I think he was fully invested in trying to win the Champions League at Paris Saint Germain. I think he fully invested himself in the city and the club. And we now kind of go to the other part of this, which is PSG and any top level soccer football club Mm -hmm. has to turn the roster over. It's just the way it is. You can't, it's not like other sports like baseball or basketball where you can maybe keep a core together for seven to 10 years. Like that's just not how the sport works right now. It's not built that way anymore even tom brady got let go it all ha- it happens to all the greats yeah, it's not even like fo- football where you keep a core group of guys for like you know it, it's hard it's a harder sport to keep the team right. together because it's there's a constant the way that the contracts work the way that you can just sort of force your way out of clubs and 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 the way the transfer situation works it's not like you really have to trade players all you have to do is trade money and it's just harder to establish that 
long-term core of players. And this is as close in the QSI era as PSG have gotten. Like, these guys have been here now for six, I think, Silver for six and Cavani for five. Variety might be the next oldest player that's been there. I think he is. Yeah. Like, I, I actually definitely he is. Yeah. And you see that turnover. Think of how the club looked in fifteen sixteen or fourteen fifteen, and now look at how the club looks. It's a completely different group. Yeah. Now, you have some holdovers. Di Maria probably would be the second oldest at that point. He's been there since twenty fifteen. Yeah, fifteen. So it, it just—it's a new era. It's a new—it's uh, a new cycle. PSG have to adjust. They have to bring in younger players. They have to let their younger, some of their younger players take, you know, take starring roles. Like Preston Kimpembe is a perfect example of this. Here's a, he's 24 now. Mm-hmm. Like it's time for him to, you know, you have to find out, is he a top flight center back or is he not? Right. And the only way you figure that out is if he's playing the majority of the games. Like you can't, you can't, hold him back anymore. You have to find out exactly what he is. He looked and, good against uh, Erling Haaland. Yeah. Definitely did there. Marquinhos is clearly the new captain, in my opinion. I mean, it, 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 he has to be the new captain at this point. If, if he's not, that's, I mean, that's just a crime. I'm yeah, turning I mean, in my PSG he, shirt. Yeah, he's the new captain. So he's, again, about maybe 25, 26 at this point. So he's mm-hmm. still in his prime. He's just going into his prime. Mm-hmm. So you have two center backs who are basically entering their prime, who you can pair together. And if it works, you have your top center back pair for the next five years. That's what Leonardo's thinking here. And there's no reason to keep Tiago's. If, if those two can, if those two can be the center back pairing that, you know, you want them to be, there's no reason to keep stringing Tiago Silva along. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any financial sense. Yeah, and, if, you, if, if you look at the finances, I mean, he's the third highest paid player on the team. You know, you, you can't have a 35-year-old backup being the third highest paid player behind Neymar and Mbappe. So, like, just the finances didn't work. And I don't know how much of a cut he was willing to take considering clubs like Everton and AC Milan are reportedly interested in him. It, it came down to finances for the most part. Well, it came down – and there's multiple angles to this, but – I can. It's it, you really want to take them all in in shocks, mm-hmm. but I'll actually start with this part, which is they're clearing Cavani and Silva off the books. That's I think I did the math on this. It's like it's over thirty million euros off of their salaries. So if you're thinking that you're going to sign Kylian Mbappe to an extension, now whether he stays for the duration of that extension <laughs> is you know that that's that's another matter. Sure. But right now, Kylian Mbappe is getting paid about what Silva and Cavani are getting paid, maybe a little less. It's about that same range. He's going to have to get paid. Like, yeah. if they, if, even, and that's what I would say, well, you know, look, sign the extension. You know, it's not locking you here, but you're going to make the, you know, you're going to make the money now. You're going to make the 35 to 40 million a year. And so, they have to. Yeah. They have to they have to create that cap space to pay him. There's no cap, but you have to create that. You can't you can't take that money from nowhere. That money has to come from somewhere that you're paying him with. Mm-hmm. So taking Silva and Cavani off the board and then using some of that money to pay Silva, not sorry to pay Mbappe, 
that's I think what they're gonna do. So I just pulled it up. Combined, Tiago Silva and Cavani make looks like two point eight four five million euro a month. So I'm not great at math, but and then Mbappe makes slightly more at one point nine million a month, and Neymar's at slightly over three million. So I mean. Those are two huge contracts coming off the book, Silva and Cavani. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that's and it's it, it really is. It's it's they're clearing the cap is is basically what they're doing, and they're going to reinvest that money. And you have to think the coronavirus. They said probably a little bit more than two hundred million in losses. So this is you know they have Qatar backing them, and they're one yeah. of the richest clubs oh. in the world with a bunch of sponsorship deals. But they still think, have to make it work. You know. I don't think the, you know. I don't think. Maybe PSG are going to take a little more of a hit than some of these other clubs, but not all that much more of a yeah. hit. And I think that they'll the if they relax the financial fair play rules a little bit, I think they'll be able to sort of invest. I, and I think that's what they'll do is, especially for these elite clubs, they're going to have to let them sort of reinvest a little bit yeah. just to make up some of the gap. But I, I think PSG will be fine on that regard. It's more, I think, when we're talking about this kind of money, it's more sort of just making the it's just it's more sort of roster shaping and allocation of resources. I, I and, do, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I believe it was Lequeep. It might have been Leprigian, but one of them said with Munier, Kurzawa, Silva and Cavani all leaving, that's a little bit more than 40 million that's coming off that they'll have and save salary. So they can yeah. put that back into Neymar and Mbappe extensions, but they have to be open to it. But and if they're not open to it, that's money that they can pay you know, Milinkovic Savage or somebody like that, whoever's, you know, big name player out there. No, absolutely. Like you, you're going to be, able, I, I don't, I mean, we're, we're getting too deep in the weeds, but yeah. I don't see the Neymar extension coming down the pike. I don't think it's the first one they want to do. No. I think it's clear they need to do the Mbappe extension. And I think it's clear that they need money to do it. Mm-hmm. And then whatever money's left, I think they're going to reinvest in whoever they need to bring in as replacements for what they're losing salary wise and i don't think they're going to try to give people the kind of salaries that they had to you know in the beginning of this thing when you know you kind of needed to inflate the salaries to get people to a club that wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. one of the top wasn't necessarily where it needed to be now that it is where it needs to be i think they they won't have to pay over for guys i mean that that's sort of the hope and i i think you know, from the sporting side of this, from the sporting slash legacy side, these two guys are going to get one last shot at this. And I, I, as I said at the beginning, it's last call at the bar. <laughs> like, you know, it, 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 this is the last chance to, to go home with the trophy. And they're going to get, they may not, they'll, they'll maybe either play or they'll come out the bench or they'll be there as emotional support. I don't know. But, you know, if PSG are going to make this run in August and win this thing, to have those two get redeemed, especially for Thiago Silva to get that trophy. Oh, my goodness. Like, that would be a hell of a story. He would like, cry. I guarantee you we're going to see li- tears. I think it's lining up well for that. Like, the, the, the story the story really is starting to write, you know, in that way. Like, you just you, – you feel it now. Like, yeah. it's just – you know, it feels different, and it feels like those guys—they have to go out, even if they don't win it. They got to make the final. Yeah. Like just having those guys play in a in a final, 
and get to that place that nobody really thought PSG could go, and if they even contribute to that, you know, that, that would be something. And I think this group understands that this is sort of the last chapter of a book. Like, I feel like there's been, you know, if we're talking PSG in the QSI era, I feel like if we're talking about the, the book, chapter one was... Pastore. Was Laton era. Okay. Laton, Maxwell, uh, Thiago Mata, um, Pastore. Pastore, exactly. Lucas Mora. That was like chapter one. And then when Zlatan left, we closed that book. Chapter two was Remontada, Neymar coming in, Mbappe coming in. That was that was chapter two, and I feel like this is the end of chapter two. It's like a kid's book. There's only three chapters. Well, hopefully there's more than three. <laughs> but you feel like this is the end of chapter two, and we're moving to chapter three. Yeah. Like, it just feels like the next part of the story. And PSG are going to have to finish chapter two. And it's like, if this if this pandemic had prevented, you know, this from happening, it really would have been like an unfinished chapter to a book. Because everyone would have had to have moved on, and you just wouldn't have had the closure. And I think we all get the closure now. Yeah, it's going to be... And you get to see what this group that has sort of bonded together, that has an attitude now... They have they got that chip on their shoulder. They they had that big fu game against Borussia Dortmund. They showed up for that. They and now you get a chance to write the story, and it's it, it, I think it is really important that they get that chance, and I'm happy that they do. Yeah, no, I'm thrilled, and uh, it's going to be special if they can win that trophy. Neither one of them have won it with any club that they've been with, so it'd be really special. Those guys are PSG through and through, so it's kind of sad to see them both go. There was a report that Silva was heartbroken, and he really thought that maybe he could stick around, but the money just didn't make sense. They're both aging, um, and, and PSG's got to move on. There's younger talent in the squad. There's other talent that they're looking at, so you got to stay competitive. you got to bring in new players, and it's time to move on, so... It's just the with it, football is a business. That's just the way it is. But they'll always be two club legends. Um, you, you're talking a lot about chapters and looking ahead and, and future stuff. And one of those players that we thought would be maybe in chapter three and beyond was uh, Tenge Kwasi. Uh, this uh, he's just turned 18. He apparently at one point he wanted to stay at PSG, but ultimately he's turned down a professional contract with the club. And all the reporting is saying that he has signed, I believe it was a five-year, four or five-year deal with uh, Bayern Munich, which came out of left field. Everything that I was reading was, you know, Leipzig or maybe AC Milan, maybe even Barcelona, but Bayern Munich just came in out of nowhere, took them right from us. What I want to ask you is, does loyalty matter anymore? And do you think this was the right move for, for the youngster? It's hard for me to talk about right move, wrong move, because I don't want to be that I don't want to be that kind of pundit that chides 18 year olds about their life decisions. Oh, I will. <laughs> I, I know you will. But I remember I remember what I was like at 18 and I did not make good decisions at 18 years old. So I fully understand the, the psych the psyche here. here here's what I, I think. I think that these players that come through when you when you come through an academy there is a certain level of expectation and I don't think it's necessarily 
the right kind of expectation in that you want to turn 18 and you want to start and you want to make an impact and you want to be you want to be a star as quickly as possible i understand that mentality and i understand a lot of these younger players who don't want to wait you know in play sporadically for a few years wait till their early 20s and then you know and then make the big move or you know work their way into the starting lineup like a Kimpembe or Rabio did or Ariola did like th- there's a bit of greener pastures going on too where it's like so you're 18 you get to make this decision for yourself and you have these people around you who make up your entourage and they're you know they're working behind the scenes with these other clubs they're trying to secure you know playing time they're asking Bayern Munich oh you know well if he signs with you how much playing time is he going to get mm-hmm. and Bayern Munich gives him you know, because Bayern wants to sign good players. Of course they do. Anybody wants to sign good players. So Bayern's going to go, yeah, we'll, we'll play him. Absolutely. You know, we'll, we'll definitely, you know, play him and he'll be a major part of our team and blah, 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 and sunshine and rainbows and all that stuff. And then PSG maybe takes their eye off the ball a little bit. Maybe they don't, maybe they're not as urgent in making the, the move. Maybe. Maybe Kawasi's not really feeling the love. Maybe he's not. Maybe he doesn't think he's a priority. And then the agent and the the friend and the friend of the friend and the and the butler and whoever chips, you know, chirping in his ear like, "Man, they don't appreciate you here, man. You got to go somewhere where they appreciate you." And I got Byron on the line, and they're willing to give you, you know, they're willing to play you. They're willing to put you in big Champions League matches. And Kawasi's like, "Oh, really?" I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love that. You know, PSG aren't calling me. So he goes to P- – they go to PSG and go, you know, you're not really giving us a good offer here. You're not really guaranteeing us playing time in major matches and all. And the only reason you used them this year is because you had a bunch of injuries. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do for us? You know, are you going to – are you, are you going to make us an offer or not? Because we can go other places, you know that, right? So it, it just it's this snowball effect of young player, uh, opportunistic hanger-on kind of people, and the club maybe not necessarily focusing in on that investment in the same way. Mm-hmm. It, it's a mix of a lot of those things, and... Quite frankly, I think a lot of it is that Leonardo is not an academy uh, sporting director. Like, you know, everybody hated Antero Enrique, but Antero Enrique signed a bunch of those uh, academy players. Like, he had a string where he signed about 10 to 15 of them, the professional contracts. And he his him and Emery and Tuchel early on played a lot of those younger guys like mm-hmm. Nkunku played a lot Diaby Diaby and and Rabio you know would play and Ariola would play and Dagba would play and you know and 
it, it's just a different setup. And I think Leonardo, as a sporting director, he's not a guy that's going to, you know, bend over backwards to make sure his team is filled with youth players. I just don't see that as being something he cares about. Like, you you saw from the signings he made last year. It's not, he, you know... Mario Cardi was 25. He's he didn't go for the 19 year old striker. He didn't, Sarabia, Sarabia, like these are not younger guys. These are experienced people who have played in matches. It's like I I think there's a clear philosophical change with Leonardo being there. Mm-hmm. I think there's a less of an investment in that youth, and when you have a less investment in the youth. That youth is going to see that, and they're going to look for greener pastures in other places. So this really doesn't surprise me all that much. The thing that I kind of find odd is that I think Bayern Munich is not a good fit. Yeah, me too. It's just, it's not the right move for him now. Like, Leipzig would have at least made sense because he could go there and start for two years and then make the big move. Milan too. Is, I mean, they're they're a big club, but that also has a lot of young players, you, and they're going for like a youth but, movement there. But, but and you know what? A lot of people saw what Kylian Mbappe did, and they're like, oh, you know. And I think this, you know, Kylian Mbappe is a is a special case mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, he's seventeen years old, and he he has a great five months at Monaco, and then he just makes the big move to PSG. He hasn't stayed, you know, he could have stayed with Monaco for another two, three years, but he didn't. He made that big move right away. And I think a lot of younger players are thinking that way now. Frankie de Jong, um, the two, what's the other, the Delict, you know, they both Delict. went on. They haven't done much this year. Um, what about the guy that went to Real Madrid? Um, oh, Jovic. Yeah. Just like you, Luka Jovic, perfect example. That kid wasn't ready to go to Real Madrid. Like these, I think people saw what Mbappe did and said, "Hey, I could do that. I could be seventeen, eighteen years old, go to a big club and play and start." And, and I don't think that's the right for a lot of kids. I I think that there is something about progressing naturally through a through the system. Like you start on a youth team, then you turn eighteen, then you go to a club where you're going to play a lot, but maybe they're not a as high quality play for two, three years, get noticed, then move to the next club. And then when you're 25, 26 in your prime, go to Real Madrid, go to Barcelona, go to PSG. Yeah. So like that, that's the natural (laughs) progression. And I think Kawasi, somebody is telling him that he is better than he is at this moment. Yeah. I, I, I just don't see it. Like, this guy's going to go into Bayern Munich and he's going to, you know, start at center back for Bayern Munich? Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't see it. Not for years. Um, Just looking at their squad right now, I mean, he's definitely not. So he started 13, or not started, but he featured in 13 games this season as a 17-year-old for PSG, which is phenomenal. He started against uh, Galatasaray, the youngest PSG player to ever start in a Champions League. From everything I read, PSG offered him the most money to stay. They played him. Tuchel showed belief in him by playing him. Um, 
to your original point, he's 18. If he was still 17, I wouldn't criticize him. He's 18. He's a grown man. You can sign a professional contract. You can be criticized here on the 1970. You come up through the academy. PSG showed faith in you, offered you a lucrative contract. Kind of like what you were just saying. You know, stay at PSG. You're going to get plenty of chances. Thiago Silva, it was announced that he was leaving. You know you're going to get chances to play. You might be the third string uh, ahead of Diallo and Tilo Kerr. You, you could be right there. You could get significant minutes at a major Champions League club, and you decide to go to, to Bayern. Now, on Bayern's end, you know, they hit it out of the park with Alfonso Davies, and he's a stud. There's no doubt about that. They think that maybe they just got another one in Kwasi. I love Kwasi, but I think he still has a lot of work to do, and I, I just don't know if he would start at a club with Bayern. You look at who's their center backs right now. You know, I, I think, you know, Alaba can play a little bit of center back, you know, on the left side there. You got Boateng, who's turned back the clock a little base, 31. Who knows how long he's going to stay there. You know, they've got Lucas Hernandez. You know, he he's further down the pecking order there, and I just don't know how much he's going to be able to play there. Leipzig would have made a lot more sense, like you said. AC Milan, I think, would have made sense. Um, I just, you know, I read a piece, I think one of the, the French papers, you know, they were talking about his agent. And this is a guy, I was reading through the piece, I believe, if, if you remember, Gregory Vanderbilt, he was mentioned because this guy who, I guess, is leading Kwasi, he was like his driver and trainer. And this is an agent that has been kind of a thorn in the side of PSG for a while. Several of their academy players, he's kind of directed away. And a lot of people were telling me that it has a lot to do with you know the laws in France where young players signing their professional contract can only sign for a maximum of three years, I believe. We're in, you know, Germany, obviously Kwasi just signed a much longer contract and something to do with agent fees. I think agents can get a lot more money by going elsewhere. And so the, the rules, the laws in France, and there's also the tax issues, they almost encourage players to leave. Um, and, and, you know, if Nasser Al-Khalifi, the PSG president, if he was voted the most you know, powerful man in football. He needs to get that changed. He needs to say, like, we're losing way too many of our French players. I mean, Kwasi was born in Paris. We're losing way too many of these players because of these archaic rules. We have got to change this to be competitive with other leagues. If they can get that changed, and when a, a talent like Kwasi comes up, then maybe he will stay if they can give him a five-year deal and the agent can get paid and, and everything else. So I, I think there's numerous issues that need to be addressed to keep these young players but at the end of the day, I mean, I just think Kwasi, he's, he's from Paris. He came up through the academy. You're 18. You just turned 18 years old. You know, show a little bit of loyalty. You're going to get playing time. There is no reason. Money, playing time. There's no reason for him to want to go to a club like Bayern. It's um, it's a kick in the teeth to PSG. It's embarrassing for them. Um, and I just think a, a club that has given you so much to kind of do them like that, <sighs> I'm, I love Kwasi. No, I've written, I, I, I've written I pieces it. about no, it. I, I, I love him. I love the kid. I'm just, I'm really frustrated about this. It, it, no, it can be frustrating. I just, I, I think that, that I, I think that again, you're right. It, it, there's a, a, a bit the, and you give a good context there because a lot, there are some quirky rules in France that sort of mm-hmm. make it a little harder to keep your academy players, and you have an agent that wants to get a good you know, wants to get a good fee off of the, off of the, off of the deal. I get that. And then, you know, the player believes that he can, has confidence in his ability. He thinks he can walk into Bayern and start. I tend to disagree with that. I think it's really hard for a young center back, you know, look at what Delict has done this year. Not that much. Nope. 
Like they paid a, Juventus paid a lot of money for him, and it didn't really work the first year. It might, he might get there at some point. And Delict is a lot more like I think he's a better player, and he's like just more physically. I mean, he kind of has like a grown man body where Kwasi's still kind of growing. Center back is really tough to. It's really tough to be a young center back. Like, there's a reason like Kawasi would play deep lying playmaker. Like, it's an playing the six or playing like right in front of the defense is actually it's an easier position to play because it takes away some of the discipline you have to have. It takes away some of the thinking. Like you can you can create, you can go forward, you can attack a, you can attack in that sense. You're being more, you're you're acting more than reacting. Mm-hmm. And I think center back is a position where you have to see what's in front of you and react to it. And it's what you know to bring it back to Tiago Silva. It's what it was Tiago Silva's Tiago Silva's best quality as a center back was his ability to anticipate what was going to happen and move to the right spot. Because mm-hmm. he was never really the fastest, he was never really the strongest, but he had that anticipation and he understood what he was seeing in front of him. Very sort of old school center back, very much you know 80s Italian center back. You see, you read the game, you understand the passes, you understand where guys are going to be, and then you react to it and you intercept the ball before it even gets to them. And, you know, Marquinhos has that now. Marquinhos has that ability. He can do – and it's, it's like Marquinhos has that really good mix where he can he can play that six if you need him to mm-hmm. against certain teams. But he's also has Thiago Silva's ability to read the game. And, you know, Kimpembe's getting there. And look how long it's taken Presnel Kimpembe to get there. Yeah, he's had a couple injuries, but, I mean, he's got all the talent. He just needs that mental side of the game. I think he can but learn he, a lot from Silva and Marquinhos. But, um, he's, but he, he's great. He's getting there. But, no, he's improved a, he's yeah. improved a lot mentally. But like, that goes to your point, though. How I mean, how old is he, 24 or something like that? I mean, it takes yeah. you – you're not going to be 18 and pick up the game. Kimpembe has had to learn under the best, and only now is he like we feel like he's ready to go. No, you're, I, I, I put this on Twitter. I think a couple weeks ago, it's like the prime age for a footballer is between twenty five and thirty. Like that's when you're getting the best. Mm-hmm. Like that's when you're getting the mix of athlete plus brains. You get it in that range because you've played enough where you understand how to play. But you still have the athletic ability, and it's only on a rare occasion do you get a player like Mbappe who's got the talent and the brains at 19, 17 years old. That he's a, he's unique. Yeah, there's not a lot of people like him. He's unique, and I, I I you know I wish people would think more in those terms of that. A guy like Mbappe doesn't come around very often, you know. So you don't have to be Mbappe. You don't have to make that move. And let's be clear too, like. Neymar only went to Barcelona at 21. Yeah, yeah. Like, he spent three, he spent a bunch of time in Brazil when he didn't really have to, but he did anyway. Like, I know it's a little bit different of a culture over in South America with that stuff, but still, it's like, you have time in your career to make those moves. And if you're in Bayern, like, where do you go from there? Yeah. 
Especially like if, you, if you're a flop, then yeah, you're going to... If you're a flop, you know where you go. You go to Lone City. Dusseldorf. No, you, what happens to you is that if you flame out, you're basically on their books for five years. So they have to find a place to put you. Yeah. So they, they, they send you off to Lone City, meaning every year you get loaned somewhere else. The Hesse effect. The Hesse effect, call that. yes. You get if if you flame out, you have you're still on the books, and I think he might is he still on the books? At this point? Yeah, Hesse is the uh, Bobby Bonilla of uh, world football. He's just never off the books. <laughs> never, he just, he just always... keeps collecting a check. Yes, is it Bobby Bonilla, the Mets player? Is that right? Yes, the guy who keeps he, he's still he, getting they, paid. Yeah, they pay him five million. They pay him like a million <laughs> bucks every year. Just, it's my just, favorite. Like, I love it. But that's what happens to you, and that's what's going to happen to Rabio. Like he's gonna go to Lone, he's gonna start going to Lone City, where you have to, where you, where you know they they, where Juventus needs to get him out the, you know, get him out of off the team, so they just send him somewhere. There should like, be like an wanna... MLS team called Lone City FC. Yeah, you, you don't, want... <laughs> yeah, but you don't want to, you don't want to be in that spot. Real so Lone where... City. Sorry. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, but that's where you end up if you don't, if you don't like get it right away because they're not going to put up with that at Bayern. They're not going to put up with you making like the reason Presto Kimpembe has been able to get to this point is because PSG put up with a lot of bad football over the last three, three years. We saw with Juan Bernat. Remember he had a couple bad games and I don't know what the, the German guy's name, the executive of Bayern just like totally ripped him in the press. Like oh, we're not going to win anything with this trash player or whatever. And then sold him like, fine, whatever you'll pay us 15 million, take him, And he turned out to be a great player. But yeah, if he has a couple bad games, Bayern's not going to, Lone City, see ya. Yeah, it, 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 you can't, you know, and that's what, and that's the life at a high-profile club. You know, PSG has a little bit of a. I think PSG is a little more forgiving than most places when yeah. it comes to that. Honestly, absolutely. Like seriously, what what has Luka Jovic done? Nothing this year, and he might have a chance to make it up next year. But look, Real Madrid's already like they they signed Luka Jovic and Eden Hazard. And it's like, you know what their fans are saying? We want Mbappe and Halan. That's right. Literally a year after they just signed Hazard and Jovic. And you're like, is that what you want at 18, 19 years old? Like, you don't want that. You don't want that pressure. That's not pressure that's good. No. That's like bad pressure. He's betting on himself. Maybe we'll see how it works out for him. But how many players that have left PSG have gone on to greatness? Really? There's some play- nice players in Cuckoo, Diaby, in, in the Bundesliga. They're, they're fine players. I wouldn't call them superstars or anything like that. You know? I mean, Kingsley Coman, I mean, he starts for Bayern. He does okay. He might have got, gotten there if he if he didn't get hurt. Um, Axel I mean, Zagadou is, you know, he, he played some good games against PSG in that in Dortmund ties. Yeah, he did. And I thought he was their best defender. Like, he was... He, they, I think he was... Him and... I think it was... Hummels was playing, right? I think yeah, yeah. Yeah, like they they were they kept Dortmund in that second leg, and they were really good in the first leg. So like Zagadu's, you know, but yeah, there's no super PSG aren't letting the big superstars go. So we'll see how that works out. Let's keep it moving. Let's talk about this Champions League format. So they came out on Wednesday, finalized some stuff. So let's just run down real quick. So August seventh and eighth. That's when the uh, round of 16 legs are going to resume. There's a couple, I think there's maybe four matches at Leon and Juventus is one of them. So they're going to uh, finish up on the August 7th and 8th. Still don't know about the venues. There's talk that maybe 
games can be played at whatever team was supposed to host the next game, or it could be played in uh, Lisbon, Portugal, which is where all of these games, the rest of the games from the quarterfinals on forward are going to go, uh, be played. So uh, PSG, for uh, for PSG, the August 12th through the 15th is when the quarterfinals are going to take place. Then August 18th and 19th, it's going to be the two semifinal games. And then August 23rd, the final is going to be at uh, Benfica Stadium in Lisbon, Portugal. Um and it's all going to be single elimination. So if you look at it, PSG, three games. If they can win three games, they're Champions League title winners for the first time in club history. What do you? Th- what are your thoughts about the format and maybe even PSG's chances in this? It's the right format. Yeah. It's the right. We you know we don't need. Honestly, I think that they should use this format going forward. That's they won't. Because they Money. they want the they want the rev the the uh, the the teams want the revenue from hosting big Champions League matches, so I get why they do it the way they do. Mm-hmm. So I'm not expecting them to change it, but I think this should be the format. I think it should be. I think the two. I think the two leg tie is sort of a. Um, it's a product of a bygone era. Like it just—it feels like an old, tiny thing. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense to play a team, and then three weeks later play them again, and then you have to count the goals, and then there's away goals, and then if you tie, you have to go to an overtime, and then you have to after the overtime, it, it, it. If you were starting this from scratch. You would not make it two legs. So I kind of like the idea of having it be like this mm-hmm. to kind of, I think, show people why it's better. Like the World Cup is perfect in the sense that with the World Cup, you get that sort of that that it feels different. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like yeah, yeah. you're watching when you watch a two leg tie, the first leg really isn't as important. So basically what you're doing is you're watching it and you're counting goals. And then in the second leg, you're trying to remember what the the score of the last game was. And then you're thinking, oh, well, we just scored. Yay, we scored. But oh, no, we need to score two more goals. Yeah. And I don't don't like that they're so far apart. It's almost like college football where you end the season and you got to wait two months for the, the college playoff start like yeah the players can get injured in the games in between we've saw that this year like have them back to back if you're gonna do it and then it's like and then it's like okay so Verratti's available for the first leg yeah because he picks up a yellow card he's not available for the second leg it's like it's just weird I I just I tend to find it to be I, again, I get why they do it. They want the home stadiums. They want the extra. They want the extra games, and they want the extra revenue. But why wouldn't you that. want? Why wouldn't you want a player like Verratti? I, for me, I think get rid of the away rule, the goal rule. Get rid of that, and then the yellow card accumulation. Like Verratti couldn't play. People pay money. They want to see Verratti. Why wouldn't you want him in your marquee game? Like that's just stupid. If someone gets a red card, okay, he's out for the next game. But yellow card accumulation is just stupid to me. Why do we? What, what is the point of that? No, but there, there, there are some football old timey rules that we could probably do without. And if the sort of the pandemic can show that this is a really cool option, like I like the idea of doing 
the round of 16 as two legs. Mm -hmm. I like that. I think we can do that and we can live with it. But then when you get to the final eight, it's knockout and it's in one place. I actually think that's a really cool idea. And, and what's interesting, we've seen in previous years where PSG will top the group and then draw Barcelona or draw, you know, Real Madrid. And I think if you did move to one game, if PSG were able to host that, then that's the advantage of topping your group. Because right now, you know, what's the advantage? Okay, we topped your group. Great. Okay, here's three-time, you know, champion in a row, Real Madrid. And you both get home games. So wh where's the advantage for PSG? I think if you move to one game and it was at the Parc de Prince, there's your, your advantage for winning the group. That's something that you can at least hang your hat on, something to aim for. Right now, there's no advantage because you could draw a really difficult team. So it's like, what the hell did we finish first for? Well, you're actually making a real point there that the that if you do the group stage is the way you're doing it, yeah. and then the round of 16 becomes a knockout. Yeah, and then the, whoever finished on top, you know, finished first in the group, you get to host the home game, and that's your advantage and your it would it would make the it would make yeah. the group stage more important yeah and there's more games than that you know yeah. as opposed to two-legged well, runs yeah and again I, I keep saying this but i just keep reading it i understand why they do it the way they do it i just think it's better i think it's better single elimination mm -hmm. i do i think i think ties are just it's a it's an old-timey thing that we don't need anymore and this is going to be really cool yeah. Like you're going to get four I I I thought what they should do was have them all on the same day and just say screw it. Let's just do Yeah. <laughs> let's do a quadruple like you know, like March Madness from like 12 in the afternoon to 12 o'clock at night. Just do just straight football. If straight high stakes, high level Champions League football with the best players in the world, all on the same day, tw you know, ten hours straight. I think that would be absolutely unbelievable. Limit the spread of coronavirus. You know, you get it over quicker. Put everyone in a bubble, basically, and just roll with that one yeah, day. I, I mean, can see that. I, I, I like the four. The four straight days is fine too. It's not terrible, but I, I would have. I, I think the four days. I think the four games on the same day would be like. I think that I think you'd have your head explode in that one. And that's I, that's just really good. I think this really suits PSG. They went from having to win five games to be champions to now three. So that's automatically great for them. It's great for everyone else, but great for them especially, just because they have a habit of capitulating on a big stage. So the less chances there are, the better. Number two, a lot of these teams, every other opponent is going through their domestic season. Who knows? There could be injuries. We've already seen a few. They're you know, tired, whatever it is. PSG is going to be fully healthy, fully rested. They're going to have a couple games, Coupe de la Liga, Coupe de France final, to get prepared. But for the most part, they're going to be really well rested. And I think when you have one game, 90 minutes, I want Neymar and Mbappe on my team because that's a game where so it's such high stakes. And you have players who can make magic out of nothing, who can see the clock ticking down and say, we need a goal. Give me the damn ball and get out of the way. Like, we've got those players. Nobody else has that. You know, they're all system, you know. Maybe Messi is a little bit different. You know, Barcelona's got that player. But not very many player teams have players like we do. And we have two of them. Well, and I think what – I think – I think the idea that we're going to be fresher than everybody is a little overblown in the sense that I'm watching these games. These yeah. are preseason games. Oh yeah, they're they're playing this. They're playing out the string. Like these are absolute preseason matches, 
And I understand that, and I'm okay with that. I, I would have been okay with that if this is how they would have played the League Gun games. They would have probably played them even worse. <laughs> but, no, but they're ramping back up. These are the first – think about it. These leagues have, what, like eight games to go at the most, eight to ten? Yeah, yeah. The first five are going to be, you know, basically preseason matches. The Bayern already won the Bundesliga. Liverpool's about to win – the Premier, the Premier League. I don't think they can do um, it this Sunday. I think they got to wait because Arsenal La, lost. La Liga's still close, and Serie A's still somewhat yeah. close. Lazio, yeah. So yeah, like they 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 can't play any. They can't just bring that intensity up. It's hard. So it's gonna be like preseason matches. That's why PSG are gonna play five. Pre- yeah. they're gonna play like five to six preseason matches. And I, and I think that's really good for them because that's essentially what other teams are doing in their league. But then what PSG has the bonus of is those two cup finals where Leon is gonna bring it because they know if they win, am I? Correct me if I'm wrong, but they get Europa right if they win. Yeah, that. no, that's a dress, that's a dress. Yeah, that's a major. That's a. Make, that's a dress rehearsal. But so th- those are you, you got trophies on the line, major trophies on the line against teams that are really going to be going for it. So PSG is going to be tested more than any of these other teams in just those two games right before the Champions yeah. League. So it's going to be a great practice for them to get ready for the Champions League. Yeah, and I, I and I like the I, again I like the I like the format. Mm-hmm. Now there's another part of this that I think they're going to have to figure out, which is it, when they do the draw. Mm. It's unfair if, let's say, let's say you have the four teams that have already qualified: PSG, Atletico, Atalanta, and Leipzig. Uh, Leipzig. Then you have the other eight teams that are still playing. I think what they have to do is draw the four teams that have already qualified against each other. Because mm-hmm. what happens is, if Atletico draws Atalanta, they have a month. To plan that game, they they have a month to know who they're playing. Right. If PSG draw the winner of Real Madrid and Manchester City, they have four days. Mm. So they essentially have to make two. They essentially have to do two game plans, and they have to practice against two game. They have to essentially practice two game plans, and then the first you know four days before the match. Oh, you're going to play this team. So now we have to focus on that game plan. So, so you so, think that they won't do the draw after, say, maybe August 9th, after the round of no, 16th? No, they're doing it on the. T- they're doing it on. They already said when they're doing. No, it. They're so doing I'm, it on I'm I'm on the the cha- the UEFA website, and they said um, the quarterfinal and semifinal draws will take place in Neon on July 10th. So okay, so you're right. The exact match schedule will, will then follow. Okay, so you're right. So they're going to do it on July 10th. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Sorry, I was just reading that slowly. I, I misread it. So you're right. I that that isn't that isn't that that's totally unfair. I, I think yeah, I think that puts the teams that won't know until, you know, a couple days before. Like you said, only a couple days to prepare and other teams will have months to prepare. I don't think you can have that. No, that make it, it, it makes no competitive sense. Has there been any talk that that's what they'll do or they No, but I, I think it's I think it's just counter. I just think it's intuitive. Like you just have to know that. Yeah. Like unless you're just completely missing the ball on it. Like you just have to know that that's compet. It's a it's a complete competitive disadvantage to have that. Yeah. And it's it makes sense for the other teams because it's like okay, so they, yeah, they're gonna have four days. To, 
you know, it, it, it doesn't, you know what I mean? It just, it makes more sense that everyone is on an even, that, that at least everyone is somewhat on an even keel. Like they're on an even playing field. Now, does it work out? country wise you know what i mean like you like psg and leon can't be drawn against each other no they can it's they, at, at this they point okay they absolutely can okay so, so it, yeah. you don't have to worry about that i was just trying to think of reasons why they wouldn't want to do that no, but you don't have to worry about that you you draw who you draw okay and they, they draw the quarters and then into the semi so what you're doing is so let's say psg played you know let's say psg drew atletico yeah in the quarter then they would play the winner of a of a another bracket so they would play somebody from the other side mm-hmm. of that in the in the semi it does work out perfectly that you know equal amount of teams that have completed that haven't completed the round of 16 so i mean it, it makes perfect sense everything you're saying and i would be happy with atletico i'd be happy with atalanta i'd be happy with leipzig well but i just i just think that's the only like competitive way you can do it. Like I don't even think it's about being happy with the draw. Yeah. Like if we if it was PSG, Real Madrid, Manchester City, and Juventus who'd already qualified, I would, you know, maybe I wouldn't say the, say it as loud. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say the same thing. Now, now the other teams that haven't finished are going to complain because you know you're going to probably have Manchester City, Bayern Munich, and Barcelona all qualify along with maybe. Leon or Juventus, so that's definitely the heavier the heavyweights on that side. They're probably well, not going to like having to go up against each other. Well, okay, okay, but boo hoo. Yeah, like you, you, you know, so what? Like it, it's not it it's genuinely not. Think about it like this: if I'm Barcel, if I'm Manchester City, I have a three one lead over Real Madrid right now. I'm in yeah. a pretty good spot. Yeah. Or let's say I'm Bayern Munich. Two if two I'm, one over Real Madrid. Bayern Munich has like a three or a four nil lead over Chelsea. Yeah, They've three pretty nil. much already qualified. So let's say we drew the winner of Bayern Chelsea. That's not fair because Bayern barely even have to play against Chelsea to qualify. So they already know that they have to face us. We kind of already know, but we don't know. We have to still plan for Chelsea anyway in case a miracle happens. Yeah, you're still diverting it. You can't just not plan for Chelsea in that case. So now Bayern can pretty much say, "All right, we're gonna." We're gonna rest this game a little bit. We're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna go balls out here, and then they they end up playing us after, you know, it. It just, I don't think that that should be the concern. I think we should just clear that up now and say this is how we're gonna draw it, and then, you know, it's even, it's fair, and you don't have to have that issue. I just, I, I, I just saw it. And I'm like, yeah, this is an issue that they should try to resolve well nasser you know he's on the committee i'm sure he's saying something i'll make sure to tweet the club or something so that they can start working that angle because you're absolutely right i mean that's a distinct competitive advantage if you have months to prepare and other teams only have days um so but overall we agree we like the format let's just clean up a few of those loose ends um you know speaking of champions league there's a few players we've already talked about. Cavani and Silva are that are going to extend temporarily to be able to compete. But you also have the likes of Levin Kurzawa, uh, Thomas Mounier, uh, Chupa Moting, and Kwasi. I think he's he's not going to extend. No, but, he's not going to extend. No, and we don't know about Oshish, but he's not a, a major contributor. But um, am I missing anyone else? I, I, do you think, let's no. just talk, talk about Kurzawa and, and Munier. I mean, do we need these players to extend to help us? And do you think that they will? 
Um, there's no reason for them not to extend because what is most likely going to happen is the Champions League has been backed up. The, the start of next year's Champions League, I believe, has been backed up to the 20th of October. So that's, I believe, the start of the group leg. You can check that, but that's the start of the group leg, the, the next group stage, the 2021 group stage. Yeah, I'm looking for so, it now, but I don't see it. what I think will happen is the seasons will end in the other four, and then the window for them will be from August to the 1st of October or something like that. So it doesn't hurt for Meunier to resign because now Meunier gets to play for two months and Kurzawa gets to play for two months. And then when their contract expires, they still have a month or so to sign with another team. So what I'm assuming in these contracts, these two-month deals, what essentially they're going to be are, I'm assuming it's going to be, they might be able to do sort of a contract to the 23rd of August. So that final day of the Champions League, that's where they're signed up to, and then the day after they're not signed. Or so, or maybe a week buffer afterwards or something. But but you but, have to you have to wonder though. I mean, so they're probably going to make the same salary because I think Silva came out and said, you know, I want to make what I'm making now if I do extend. So I think PSG's are going to pay them. But what happens if in the in one of these games someone goes down with a major injury and then all of a sudden Munier can't go to Dortmund? What do you mean? So I mean, Munier I think has agreed to some kind of contract with Dortmund and he wants to go there, but maybe it's not official. So he stays on with PSG, plays with them, but then gets injured, say, in the Coupe de France final. To blows his knee out. Dortmund's yeah. not gonna is not gonna want him. If the contract's night final, then they can say, Never mind, and now he's an injured player without a club. And not getting paid. I think there's a good legal question there. If I were I them, I wouldn't that- extend. Unless I had an ironclad contract with my future team that whether I get injured or not, you have to honor it. I, I wouldn't risk it if I was what that. I think what I think is what I think is gonna happen is that I don't think either of those players are going any of those players are actually going to start unless they have to. Mm-hmm. I think they're gonna be there for the purpose of depth. For the purpose of not having to replace them on the Champions League roster, but there's still a chance part, they'll play. That was part of the the part of the deal was when UEFA made this announcement on Wednesday, yesterday, that you could bring three players to replace, mm-hmm. but they have to be already on your books by right. February second, by last February the second. So. Part of this is they're keeping them along for depth and to keep their roster pretty much what it was. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to add more people to it. And if somebody gets hurt, then you're playing some academy player in like the Champions League final. Like, right. And I think the idea of winning the Champions League final, like, let, let's put it this way. If there was no Champions League, None of these players would be extending. No. But it is sort of the, is it worth trying to win this thing? You know, maybe I get hurt. You know, maybe I, I roll my ankle. Maybe I, I bust up my shoulder. 
God forbid you tear an ACL or you break your leg. You know, you, you're you're betting, I guess, that that doesn't happen. Right. And I'm assuming that if they're doing these contracts, that there is some sort of. Well, I, uh, that's, I'd love to talk to a Chelsea expert with uh, Timo Werner was announced today. You know, what's in his yeah. contract? If he he's in the Champions League, he's going to start for Leipzig. If he yeah. blows his knee out, is Chelsea still signing him? Is he still? Like, well, well, think about it like this: even if he does break his, even if he does tear his ACL, um, he's still young, right? Well, you can afford to sort of eat that contract for six months to nine months to get him back, and then you think you're going to resign him at some point. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, a case like Silva, who's 35, he's got nothing well, to lose. He's really, got, no, he's got nothing to lose. And if he if he gets hurt, he can go play in Sao Paulo somewhere, mm-hmm. and he could be a he could be an icon, and he could do what Danny Alves is doing. Sure. So there isn't, and Cavani, same idea. I think he 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 go play in, in Uruguay or something, and just be you know do a a, a retirement tour if but he wants. Munier and Kurzawa are at that point where this may be the last big contract that they sign. And like, would if I I'm just trying to put myself in their shoes, would I want to risk major injury when I know I have a team that's willing to pay me X amount of dollars? And if I get injured, that contract's gone. This it's a it's a balance. Yeah. It's absolutely a balance, and it's absolutely um, it's something that I'm not sure I can answer. I yeah. I don't know. What, I think that they feel that doing this is worth it. Yeah, and I do think it's worth it. I think this is a legitimate chance to win a Champions League, and I don't think those guys are going to get another big chance like this again. Probably not. No. This is so it it it's worth putting that on the. You know, it's worth putting that on the on the mantle. You know, Silva does. Tiago Silva doesn't have a World Cup, Mm-mm. and he's probably not going to get one because I don't think he's going to be on the next team. You know, maybe as an assistant Munier, coach. Yeah, Munier may have a shot at the World Cup again. I don't know what Belgium. Belgium was a little on the old side the last time. Um, you know, when is Kurzawa going to get called up to the French team again? So. Yeah. This is really a, it's a shot at a major European trophy. Like this is a big deal. Right. So I understand why players would be willing to do this. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm also the fact that they didn't get a contract extension. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. I'd be a little salty. I'm like, no, I'm not going to stay on your team and help you win a champions league and risk my career. You know, you don't sign, sign me to a longer than two month contract. And maybe I'll stick. Yeah. Around. Maybe, but uh, I, I mean, money, Munier got about all he could get out of PSG. Like yeah. if I'm like Munier, I'm I'm not. And Kurzawa, it's like you, you know your time's up. Yeah. Like it's just it just is what it is. Like these people are not stupid. <laughs> all right, well let's get, let's get to our last topic here. Transfer, everyone's favorite topic. You know, now that we know some of the players that are leaving, we know who Leonardo is prioritizing. Wants to sign a left back, a right back, and a a tall midfielder is what he said, but. You know, what do you – there's been talk about the Hernandez brothers, um, Theo and, and Lucas and um, Serginho Dest at Ajax has been rumored. Um, there's been quite a few names that are coming in, but would you throw center back as a priority now with Silva and Kwasi leaving, or do you think Diallo and Kerr are decent enough backups for Kempembe Marquinhos? I think I think Kerr and Diallo are good – center backs if you're doing a, if you're playing a back three mm-hmm. 
I think they're back three center backs. They're not, they're back three center backs and back four uh, fullbacks. Okay. Because I, I don't think they the, – the one – the couple times Kilo, Kilo Kara played center back, it was a complete <laughs> disaster. Um, Diallo might be able to do it. I think Diallo showed some stuff early in the year when he was playing center back. But I don't think Kara is a center back. I think mm-hmm. he's a fullback. I think he's clear. He has the body of a fullback. He's got the speed of a fullback. I think he's better out there because he's challenge. I don't want my center back to be that kind of center back that makes those challenges. Yeah, he looked good at like, right back. I think cares. I think cares a right back. So, I, and I think what they really should do is you should get a guy who's literally get a guy who's thirty, mm-hmm. and he's your backup, and you know that. The guy that's 30, who's played in a bunch of big matches, somebody of that ilk, who has experience, who knows what they're doing. Maybe they're not the best, but they have brains and smarts and intelligence. When, you know, Kimpembe or Marquinhos needs a break, you slip that guy in and he can hold the fort and not screw up. Like, I think that's what you do at center back. I don't think you try to get a big... I don't think Lucas Hernandez... I, I just, like... It's expensive. That's really expensive for your third center back. Because I don't think this Marquinhos at at the six experiment is going to go on much longer. I just think he's too good at center back to yeah. keep him. And I think your, your mix... And I think Paredes has shown something now. I think he's finally almost there like i think he he gets his role now i don't know if he's a regular starter though i feel like someone better's got to come in to but fill you that can, role but you can you know what though but that's a position you want competition at you want rotation yeah so if they want to bring in another guy i have i have no problem with that because now that then you have four guys for two spots because i think what we've learned is that this version of PSG is better with two midfielders as opposed to three. Mm-hmm. I just think it opens the offense up. And if Di Maria can give you a little bit of defense in big games, if Neymar can give you defense in big games, then it, it's like a 4 two, it works. It's like It's like a 4-2-4, four, and then when you're defending, it's like a 4-4-2. Four, four, mm-hmm. And I think that actually is effective. So you only need to play two true midfielders at a time. And Verratti is unquestioned one of them. So you really, you, know, you need one. And you have Idrissa Gay. He's been up and down. You got Paredes. Okay, he's fine maybe in league on matches. I don't know if I trust him in a big match. That's why I think a star midfielder to pair with Verratti. Yeah, but then again, you, you, then you have to worry about the... It's it is an economics issue too because now it's like yeah. you're playing Marco Verratti over ten million a year. Yeah. So you're gonna bring in Milinkovic Savic and pay him ten million a year well, there, to basically play the same position. There's one interesting name that came up. Chelsea and Golikante has been talked that they may be willing to ship him out. I mean, that's a player. No, but can... still, that's a ha- that's a high contract guy. Yeah. But it's, it's an option. Conte is a. And Conte is. I don't think he fits what they do. I also wonder I how much Idris, is left in his legs. He's, and I think Idrissa Gay was good last year. I thought Idrissa Gay was fine. Like not in that first couple, game against Dortmund. I mean, he was. that's one of the worst performances I've ever seen. From yeah, a but I also, I also think he... I also think a player like that 
you can't play him. I, I always say this. He's a guy that you think you could play him every day, but then he just hits a wall at some yeah. point. Like, that's why you want four, because you want to rotate guys in and out. You don't want Idrisa Gay going 100 miles an hour every game, because you just wear down, especially now that he's 30. Yeah. Like, there, you can't get more different midfielders than Paredes and Gay. Yeah. Like, they're just totally different style, and you want that. So, like, if you can figure out the, you know, Verratti is the the starter in all the big matches and most of the matches. And then, depending on what team you're playing, you either can go to Paredes or Gay. And if you can bring in another guy, it just adds another dynamic to what you're trying to do. I just don't see them making the... The big splash signing. The big... I, I don't... I don't think that's a good allocation of resources. Well, there's been some other, you know, players that wouldn't cost as much. Um, all from Syria. Um, I think it was a guy at Roma. Um, you know, AC Milan seems like every player there has been rumored for. So I think... Yeah, but they, they always yeah. say they're going to sell Milan. But Milan never actually sells anybody, <laughs> even though they say they're always going to sell somebody. Yeah. So, well, I, I think... I think... I, I think they're... Yeah. yeah, and I think that oh yeah and Chupa Moting is the other guy that's contract is running out yeah that's why I think you have to get a, a backup striker well he's one that I'm not even sure they're going to try to extend for two more months no, no. What's the, I think it's already been point? reported he's he's gone at the end of the month well what's the point yeah like, he, you have Cavani and, and Icardi you don't need another guy no so he'll, he'll be gone but I think for next season I think you do need a backup striker I know Mbappe can in theory play there, but I think finding no, a, a I, young I, striker. I, I think what you no. I think what this is this is the same. This is the same thing when we talk about center back. Mm-hmm. I don't need a young striker because I don't need a twenty-one year old. I need a thirty-year-old mm. that knows what the hell they're doing. Olivier Giroud, bring him in. Oh, good lord! <laughs> but no, but I you need a you want someone that knows what the you like this is part of it too and this is the the formula that has worked and i know a lot of people um probably watched the last dance at some point the, oh, yeah. the bulls documentary like the way that team was built you didn't have jordan pippen and then a bunch of 18 year olds you had jordan pippen and then steve you kerr. had steve kerr you had uh you had Dennis Rodman. You had you had veteran players who would, you know, for the most part had been in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like who who knew the game, who knew what they needed to do. When you told them this is what you do, they did it. We need to find I think the, that, uh, a BJ Armstrong. Yeah. And, and you look at what PSG have been over the years, a lot of it has been, okay, we have Good, really solid, good core of twenty-five to thirty-year-olds that are that make up the spine of the team, and then we just have a bunch of eighteen, nineteen-year-olds that we bring into the game, and it's like, uh, and, and you, and if you want to kind of trace PSG's issues in League One, some of those issues do come from when PSG have to rest people. The people, the guys they're bringing in to replace them are usually 19, 20-year-olds that just aren't seasoned. They're not grown into their bodies. They're not physically tough. So sometimes you do get a little bit of that issue. 
So I genuinely believe that if you're going to be a Champions League team for the next two, three, four years, if you're going to maximize Mbappe and Neymar, I'm not thinking about mm-hmm. bringing in 20-year-olds. And to your earlier point, that's why we have Leonardo, who doesn't really favor the academy. He's looking for those 25, 26, maybe a little bit older players who have played on the big stage, who have experience, who have scored goals in big leagues. Um, yeah. He's looking for those kind of guys. No, but it's like it, – it, it, you think of it like this. It's like if I have if I have a Cardi and, I, and Cardi's sitting that day, I need somebody that can do – some of the things that a Cardi can do. And I need a guy that's going to stand in the box, who's going to make some moves, who may put in a header or two, and isn't going to screw up. And when you get into Champions League matches, when you have people who are on yellow card, uh, you know, the yellow card redundancy rule or whatever the hell, and you're, you're just, you, you want to, in my mind... I think you want to have a good young core. The, the the ideal makeup of a team, any sports team in in any sport, the ideal is a young core of players. Mm-hmm. Like a, a if it's pro football, it's something like ten to fifteen. If it's basketball, it's like three or four. If it's you know. Hockey, it's like seven or, you know, it's like six or seven. If it's football, it's like six or seven. Like, soccer is like six or seven. I want six or seven guys. So, Mbappe, Neymar, Verratti, Marquinhos, Kimpembe. Um, Di Maria. Di, well, he's a little older, but you get <laughs> yeah. Di Maria is in that, he's in that range. And Icardi. So, you have six or seven guys who are the core of the team. Who are usually in that about that sort of range of age, about twenty-five to thirty, maybe you're a year older or a year younger, and then you surround them with veterans, and then you do have young players on the team, but you don't you don't want it to be an abundance. Yeah. Of young, if you have guys in there, if you have guys that are twenty-five, like like let's I know we're going long here, but I just kind of want to finish this point. Let's say we have like an Mbappe who's if like Mbappe's 20 years old. Why should he should his backup be younger than he is? Eh, probably not. No, no. I want his backup to be somebody who's older than him. I want his backup to be somebody that can cuz it's redundancy. It doesn't make sense. It's like the 19-year-old needs to play. Yeah. This is part of the academy issue too, which is like the 19-year-old needs to play. He can't just sit on the bench. You know, there, there's a, there's two schools of thought. Now, it, like when we talk about Kawasi, I think he should be playing, but probably at Leipzig, where yeah. it's like it's just it's like a step down. It's not But at a big club like PSG, if I have Marquinhos who's 26 years old, his, if his backup is some 19-year-old kid that doesn't know what the hell he's doing, and then I have to put that kid into a match, and that he doesn't, doesn't know do you any good. It doesn't do you any good. It's why you. It's why you have these matches against these. Uh, it's why you have some of these league on matches where these young players are just not at that. They're not quite at that level. You, you know, they're not at that age level yet. They don't know how to play those types of games. So, you know, it's long story short. It. I think that there's a real need to construct the team yeah. and to build it in a with each piece making sense and 
for a long time, PSG have had pieces, but they haven't always made sense. Now I think you have a team that is starting to make sense. Agreed. And Leonardo is somebody that understands how to have a team make sense. And, you know, we had Enrique who just knew how to collect assets. <laughs> and you had somebody like Patrick Cliver who had no idea what he was doing. Yeah. He's got a, a so son like, who's pretty good. Eh, he did but, that. Yeah, but a little bit. But Leonardo... He knows how to construct the team so that it makes sense. Agreed. I think one place you'll you'll probably get a grizzled veteran is uh, to back up um, Keeler Navas because you've got Ariola's going to want to move and Balka and. Uh, well, no, that's the that's the opposite. Oh, you think he's going to go young there and bring in? Because there's been talk of uh, was it Pepe Reina uh, potentially no, coming? That's in. the that's where you you see that's where you want the balance. Okay. Because now. I have a 33-year-old in goal who has two more years left on his contract or however many years he has left. So now you want to groom the young player so that when Navas leaves, I have someone in the pipeline that can take his place. And hopefully they'll be good enough, you know, when they get to a certain age, unlike Ariola, who's just never reached that level. And now we're trying to figure out what the hell do we do with him? Well, Well, and that's what you do. And maybe this isn't the year to do it. Yeah. But next, definitely next year. That's definitely what PSG should be thinking. Yeah, and it, that's it, how you. Yeah, that's how you roster build. You don't roster build with redundancy. You don't have a twenty-year-old backing up a twenty-year-old. You have a thirty-year-old backing up a twenty-year-old, and a twenty-year-old backing up a thirty-year-old. That's how you balance the roster. Yeah, well, you I don't think... have. Yeah, I'm saying, but you don't have a 20 year old that's never going to be as good as the 20 year old you already have. Or in Neymar's sense, like, why was that's why Nkunku's not on the team anymore? Because you have a 21 year old who's not as good as the 25 and 27 year olds that are in front of him, and he's never going to be there. And if you expect that guy to be 24 and the other guy to be 30 and the 30 year old's still playing, you just wasted three years of a guy. Yeah. So well, that's, and, yeah, and then you get a player like Draxler who will come to your team and is fine with not being as good as the players ahead of him and is just happy to live in Paris and collect a lot of money. And I don't think that's a good thing either. No, but it's it, it keeps you it keeps the team from fracturing because you yeah. don't have a guy that's nipping it that's nipping at somebody's heels. True. You want a little competition, but you also have to know who the who the guys are. Yeah, exactly. You know, nobody's replacing Jordan. Nobody's there's no competition for Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen. Like it's just, yeah. you don't you don't want a team where everyone's equal because then you're no good. That that's when you're just no when you have everyone's equal. That's and PSG had that for a while. Like that sixteen seventeen team that lost the Remontada when pretty yeah. much all the players were the like Cavani had a great year, but they were all basically the same player. It's just like that doesn't work. That 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 team's not going to work. You need hierarchy, but you also need again that balance, that roster balance. And if you hit that right roster balance, you have a champion. Yeah. No, I agree. I think uh, heading into next season, whether it's you know old or young, I think left back and right back needs to be addressed. Potentially a backup striker, you know, backup goalkeeper, potentially maybe a midfielder. I mean, there's some work to be done. I don't know how Leonardo wants to to address that. There's been lots of rumors, um, some pretty exciting ones. There's been talks that 
PSG's lost a lot of money due to the coronavirus, and I'm sure they have. No one really knows if they can go out and spend a ton or they need to be conservative. They have a lot of money getting ready to come off the books, as we've talked about. So it's going to be interesting. They just spent $50 million on uh, Icardi, so maybe there is money there. We'll have to see, but it's going to be an interesting offseason. A lot of holes that need to be addressed and, and rebuild this squad depth. That's going to be the most important thing this offseason. So something to keep in mind. But, Mark, we've gone a little bit long here. Um, let people know how they can find you um, on Twitter if they want to yell at you for anything you said on uh, the show today. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they, they will. I'm <laughs> at Mark Damon one. Um, I'll probably write an article some point this month or so. I'm, I'm school's winding down, so my my real job um, <laughs> is sort of winding down. But then it's going to really ramp back up again because we're going to have to figure out how we're going to get all these people back into school in September. Yeah. So and then there's while that's happening, we're going to have football and so no vacations really this year. It's it's good job, everybody around. (laughs) You're going to have a bunch of kids that didn't have the second half of school pretty much. So that should be fun. Um, So, yeah, you can find me at PSG Talk as always Um, trying to get the guys together for a uh, PSG talking podcast. We want to talk about why we support the club and talk all about ourselves. So if that interests you, make sure you subscribe to PSG Talking. Um, Thank you for listening to this show, The 1970, um, and we'll catch you next time. Stay safe, everyone. Au revoir for now.